Uh, well, Missy and I will celebrate 10 years of marriage uh, this, this April, and it's been, yeah, th- th- thanks. <laughs> that's, uh, notice M- Missy did not clap, but uh, we won't, that's for counseling. Um, <clears throat> but there's, there's been one point of disagreement we've had, it's been great, obviously, I've been very lucky, but one point of disagreement um, that, uh, that remains un- unsolved, and that is that just before uh, we go to bed every night, um, uh, Missy loves to read, turn the light on, um, and read. Um, but I tend to be, uh, go to bed earlier than Miss, uh, Misty, and, um, and like most rational people, um, I know that you can't sleep if someone has a light on in the room. And so we've had this disagreement that Misty wants a light on while I have to sleep in complete darkness. Um, now, obviously, Misty would counter by saying, well, if you came to our house, you would see Tim uh, falls asleep quite easily in a, a, a plethora of different examples uh, with the lights fully on, like watching golf or uh, relatives over, or just sitting on the couch. I actually don't need a reason to fall asleep. I can fall asleep just about in any um, setting, but just to be, care- be clear, that is rest, that is not sleep. There's a difference between, uh, between the two. So this week I read a, an article in the LA Times, I think it might help uh, this disagreement, um, that a recent study, uh, scientists uh, discovered that human beings, our eyes, can detect a single photon. And the scientists who did this study, because like, what's a photon? Um, the scientists who did this study pointed out that like, it's, you don't even like really see the photon. It's almost like you feel that you saw it. It's like it's just fleeting. It's there and it's, it's gone. Um, but our eyes are that powerful. They, a single photon we can um, detect. And so I, I think obviously what that means um, is that according to science, I am right and Missy's wrong. <laughs> I mean, just scientifically speaking. Um, and, but... The, the interesting thing, like the reality, like the power of light to flood darkness is why almost every religion, um, almost every philosophy has used like light and darkness as a metaphor for understanding salvation. And John, who knew Jesus, uh, spent three years of his life with Jesus, when he starts uh, to write a book reflecting on Jesus' life, he starts by saying Jesus is light in the midst of darkness. He starts there. And yet, John uses the metaphor in a way that no one else does. And he, said, he almost, almost through the course of his uh, gospel, like, contradicts himself. I'm going to be careful, but here, in, in, verse one, in verse 5, John's clear. Like, Jesus is light, shining in the darkness, and he overcomes darkness. But later in the gospel, you find Jesus is a light that darkness can overcome. And so that's where I want to go this, this morning, is unpack that, that tension. And the first being that Jesus is a light that overcomes darkness. Right, that's verse 5. The light, Jesus, the light, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And as I said a moment ago, most religions say something like this. Our revelation, our way of truth is, is the light, and everything else um, is, is darkness. And I would say, I don't think you have to be a religious person to say, like, this is a way of seeing the world. That there is darkness, there is evil, there are things that are wrong that we want to get rid of, and we, they're, they're like dark, and we want to, we want to bring lights to those Places. And so Christmas, I think, is a great example of how, whether you're religious or not, we sort of all have this disposition. And, and so one reason why you'll get kind of countless invitations to, to donate your time or your money or, or to give uh, or serve in certain areas is because Christmas is a season where almost everyone agrees that, um, that there are dark things in the world and we want to be light. We want to do good. We want, to, we want to bring light where there's darkness. And so we give for cancer research. We leave the mall and hear the bell ringing outside and we, 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 we uh, drop our money into the red Salvation Army can. Americans, we give, we give a lot, uh, time, money, during this season because we, we know there's darkness. Right? We want to we we bring light where there is darkness. 
What John is saying is that Jesus is the one light that shines and overcomes all of the darkness. And if we're not careful, like verse 5 can kind of sound like something, you know, slap that on a card, send out the relatives, we're good, right? Light shines in darkness, darkness overcomes it. It sounds like a bland religious message, but that's not what John's doing. He's actually, he's kind of, he's staking out two claims that I don't want us to miss. He's saying more than just like, hey, Jesus is some light in the midst of darkness. No, he's saying more than that. And the first, the first claim he's making is that Jesus is, is the true light. That's what he says in verse 9. Jesus, the true light, which gives light to all people, is coming in, was coming into the world. And when Jesus call, or John calls Jesus the true light, um, what he means is that Jesus isn't just like true as opposed to everything else is followed. What he's saying is he, Jesus is the ultimate light. He's the, he's the only light. That if you want to drive out darkness, you have to have, you have, to have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you're going to have darkness overcoming the light. And so Jesus is the true light. That's one claim that John makes. But the second claim is, is what verse 5 says, which is Jesus overcomes, overcomes darkness. And this word overcomes in the Greek, it, it, means, it really has two primary meanings. And I think John wants us to think about both of them in this verse. The first meaning is that it means to conquer or to master. So what John is saying is that Jesus, the ultimate light, the true revelation of God, he has conquered the darkness. He has mastered the darkness. Any place that is, is dark and Jesus' light shines, Jesus wins, darkness loses. That's the point, the point John is making. And so it leads to a question I, wanna, I just want to spend a couple minutes reflecting on, which is, is how will you overcome the darkness? Like I mentioned, every, this is, I don't think you, you have to be religious or a Christian to say there's darkness in the world. It's why we give. It's why we serve. It's why we hope. Um, but how, how can we know in the end of the day light wins? How can we know that all the good things we try to give, that light will shine in the darkness, darkness will, over, will not overcome it? How do we know that? Let me, let me just give you this depressing thought. Uh, Merry Christmas. Um, I'm 30, I'm 34, I think now. Uh, but I'm 34, I, so I've, I have had a lot of Christmases. And here's, here's what I find. The, the more Christmases I have, the, the darker they can get. So this will be the first Christmas where uh, I do not have a living grandparent. My, grand, my last grandfather passed away um, a, couple weeks, a couple weeks ago. Right, the longer you live, the more death you experience, the more friends you lose, the more suffering you encounter. And so the longer you live, the darker Christmas, Christmas can get. Merry Christmas, by the way. And that, listen, we, you can sort of push, shut that out and just ignore that. Or you can, push, you can push into the question I want us to ask, which is how, how will we overcome the darkness? Now, how do we know that our life is not a light that's slowly going out, overcome by, by darkness? And you have, listen, to answer that question, you have to start med- meditating on the darkness. Why, why is there darkness? What is the darkness? And to help us with that, one of my favorite movies, this isn't necessarily a recommendation, it's, it's, it's sort of hard in some places, but um, it's, a, it's an interesting movie. It's called The Thin Red Line, and it's a bit strange, but there's, it's a war movie, and there's a scene in the movie where um, war is happening in front of your, you know, is on screen, war is on screen, and you're seeing devastation and innocent people suffering. Um, but, but over that, that visual is a reflection on the nature of darkness, of evil. Here's what, the movie, here's what the movie says. This great evil, where did it come from? <clears throat> How did it steal into the world? What seed, what roots did it grow from? Who's doing this? Who's killing us, robbing us of life and light, mocking us with the sight of what we might have known? 
Does our ruin benefit the earth? Does it help the grass to grow, the sun to shine? Is this darkness in you too? Have you passed through this night? Those are, those are important questions, I think, to, a- to answer, to ask. That's what John is going right at. He's like, listen, this, this world has darkness. And if you, want, if you want real light that overcomes the darkness, you have to have Jesus. You have to have the true light. And so that's where he starts. The light shines in the darkness. Jesus shines. His light shines in the darkness. And he has mastered it. He's conquered it. He's overcome it. So that's point one. Point two, um, I want to be very careful here, but point two is that the John speaks of Jesus as a light that can be overcome by darkness. Like I said, this, this is, I think this is almost heresy. It's not quite heresy. I think it's just on the other side of heresy. We're okay. Because Jesus says something in John 20, 12, 45, which is why I'm saying this, that uh, there's debate going on, and Jesus says this to people who, uh, who are not believing him. He says this as a warning to them. Here's what he says, John 12, 45. The light, I, I'm among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. And so John 1, 5, Jesus says, or John says of Jesus, he's the light shining in the darkness. The darkness does not overcome it. And then in John 12, same word for overcome, Jesus says, I'm the light. Stay with me, keep me, walk with me, or the darkness will overcome you. Like, what, does that, what does that mean? That on the one hand, Jesus is light overcoming the darkness, and on, on the other hand, we, we have a darkness within us that if we, if we don't stay with Jesus, that darkness overcomes us. What does that mean? And I think the first thing that we have to understand is that when John uses this, this phrase darkness, he does mean that the world like, is a dark place and there's cancer and death and things that, that, that cause us to suffer. But that's not primarily what John means when he talks about darkness. When John talks about darkness, what he primarily is talking about is me and you, what's in us. That I am living in darkness. I don't want the light. I want to live how I want to live. And so John in, in John 3, like John 3.16, famous verse, right, that, that whoever believes in Jesus I will not perish but have eternal life. But a few verses later, John, right, that, that, and that feels like that's an easy decision. I, you should believe in Jesus and have eternal life. But John says, well, a lot of people didn't, and here's why. John 3.19, this is the judgment. That the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. What John says is the reason... Darkness can overcome light in the case of Jesus is because we don't want the light. We want the darkness. So think of it like this. Um, recently, there were, there were a couple of people who I, I'm really close to, who uh, not in this room, just to be clear, um, but who I'm really close to and who let me down in, in just really significant ways. And it hurt, and I had a right to be angry, a right to be frustrated. And I, I kind of found myself in moments where just kind of nursing my anger feeding my bitterness, going over their offense in my mind, what I wanted to say to them, what I felt like they needed to hear, what, and it felt good. And oftentimes, ironically, like this would happen during my morning devotions. And like, right, the Spirit of God is like trying, and would break through and just say, Tim, like you, you need to cultivate a gentle spirit towards them, and you need to pray for them, and you need to care for them, and you're, you need to make it your, your, your job to bring joy to them. You need... 
You need to love them like I have loved you. Like all of these thoughts came in, came into my mind. And I mean, frankly, it was more annoying than Misty turning a light on to read while I'm trying to go to, to sleep. It's like, I, God, I'm, I'm pretty content just sleeping right now. Leave, don't turn the light on. And what's interesting to me is like in those moments, it's not that I, lo- I, know, I, I know that's the right thing to do. And it's not like, well, that's going to be really hard to do. And that's why I don't want to do it. No, what I don't want to do is I don't want to love other people. I don't want to bring joy into their lives. I don't want to cultivate gentle spirits toward I want the darkness. I don't want the light. I want to live how I want to live. That according to John, the reason why it's hard for us to believe in God is not primarily intellectual. Those things are there, certainly. But John's actually making the case all through his gospel. Actually, none of us, not one of us, and this includes if you're a Christian, not one of us wants to believe in God. We want the darkness. We want to be left alone by him. Now, listen again to verse 10 from from chapter 1. He was in the world. Jesus was in the world. And the world was made through him. But the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. What John is saying is that that our problem with the darkness is not that it's out there and it's going to get to us. The problem throughout John's gospel is that we live in darkness and the light comes to us and we we got to choose. That our problem as human beings is not that the darkness might force itself upon us, but the the question is, will will we let the light force itself upon us, overcome us with good? And the irony at the heart of this passage is that the very people who who read their Bibles most, who who prayed the most, who worshipped the most, literally could not see God right in front of them could not see the living God right in front of them. So the irony at the the heart of this passage is that Jesus, the true light, which shines in the darkness and overcomes it, can't overcome religious people who should have known better. And I was like, that's that's close to heresy. I understand that. Like, just don't don't take what I said too far. But but that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, if you you don't receive my light, you're going to remain in darkness. You're going to remain in darkness. In darkness, And so how do we not do that? How do we not let the darkness overcome us? How do we, how do we walk in the light? Like, that's Jesus' warning to these people is walk in the light, right? Don't, don't let the darkness overcome you. Stay with me. Walk in the light. So how do we do that? How do we walk in the light? And John's pretty clear on this, verses 12 and, and 13, right? He's sort of, he's building to this moment um, in, in the prologue. And he says this. So to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God, who were born not of the will, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That John says the, the primary way you walk in the light is you believe. You believe in the name of, of Jesus. And that's why we've named this series, That You May Believe. The whole reason John wrote this gospel, the reason why he sat down and gave you a reflection of Jesus' life is that you would believe in Jesus. So what does that mean? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? And there, there's a couple things going on in these verses that unpack what belief is, what it means for us to believe. And the first being that if you're going to believe in Jesus, you have to confront your darkness. And almost nobody, no, none of us wants to do this. This is really difficult to do because it means a couple of things. At first, to confront your darkness means you have to, you, we have to change. I have to change. Or when I'm sitting there, when I'm nursing my bitterness, feeding my anger, it's clear. I'm doing life wrong, right? I'm, I, something, is, 
Something is going wrong about the way I'm approaching my own life. And the Bible has a word for this, and the word is repent. Mark, uh, actually, who wrote about Jesus' life, thought this word was so important, it's the first word Jesus speaks in his gospel, repent. And the reason that that word is, I think it's, it's hard for us at times, it's like we think of a crazy guy at the plaza who puts repent on a sign, and that's what we think of repent. But all repent means is I'm doing life wrong, and I need to do life differently. I'm going about this all along. I'm approaching this incorrectly. I need to start doing this in a different way. I need to change. Something about me fundamentally needs to change. And that is difficult. It's hard. Change is, is really, it's painful. It's costly. It's hard. Which is why, like, we can even be fully aware of the darkness within us and not, want to, and not, have, the, not have the capacity to change. For example, the last few weeks have shed light on how vulnerable it can be to work, um, to work as a, worm, a woman in our, our current culture. That the reality is, um, just blatant truth, if Matt Lauer or Harvey Weinstein or another guy can make enough money for a company, um, it doesn't matter what accusations come against them, what proof comes against them, um, what other people suspect or accuse them of. If they can make enough money, then we'll just sweep that under the rug. We won't, we won't change because change will cost too much. It will hurt our reputation. It will cost us money. But to shine light in that darkness would have cost billions of dollars, uh, dollars would have forced men to, to completely rethink the way that they, they treat women and think of women. And yeah, there's some, maybe some change happening now, but you look at this process over the last few weeks, powerful people who had been accused in the past and it had been swept under the rug. And this is how we deal with darkness as human beings. Like even in, in parts of, of the country that I think would have said these things are very, very, very wrong. People who publicly said these things are very, very wrong. When, it, when privately they had to do something about it, they couldn't. The darkness overcame them. Which fits really well with what John is saying of us. That we, we love the darkness. So it raises a question, which is where, where do you need to change? Where do, where do I need to change? What have other people said to you in moments that, that have made you angry? You've resisted initially, right? Like someone flipping a light on in darkness. But you know, if you give it a moment, you know it's true. And I want to be careful here because like many people assume Christianity is very negative here. It's like, you know, Christianity, is, it's, we're all sinners and we're all dark. Like this is a really depressing message, Tim. Thanks for, thanks for this Christmas cheer. Um, but I, I actually think this is a really hopeful way to live. Uh, maybe I'm just really a depressing human being. But like I actually think it's a really hopeful way of living. And and the reason is, uh, G.K. Chesterton, who was a, a Christian, he lived in, in Britain in the early 1900s, um, when he talked about this darkness within us, this sin within us, what he said was, listen, this is, this is the one Christian belief that is empirically verifiable and validated by all of human history, that human beings have darkness in them. We're sinners, right? It, it, you look at our culture right now, both in our social media, in our, our leaders, both in, in the, on the cultural side or the political Side. It's not hard to make the case. There's a lot of darkness. Human beings are deeply flawed. And the reality is you have two responses to that. And most people choose option one, which is to say, look at all of those evil people who have darkness in them, who are wicked, and I'm better than them. Right? That's the implicit message is I don't have that in me. Look at how bad they are. But Christian, John says no. No, we have the darkness in us. And the reason why I think this is actually, if you let it in, if you let, the dark, if you let this idea in, it actually it makes you a humble person. You can, you can never think you're better than anybody else. Right? You, can't, you can't nurse, my own case, like I can't nurse grudges against other people. I can't. The darkness is in me, too. I can't, I'm not better than anyone else. 
And John spends a lot of time through his gospel warning us that we're blind to the ways in which the darkness is in us. Right, John, he said, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than light. Jesus himself said, the light, I'm I'm with you for a little while longer. Walk, Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overcome you. Confront your darkness. It's, it's, it's not just out there, it's in here. John, he's, really, he's confronting kind of two great lies that we have about the darkness. One is that I'm, I'm hitting at here is that, well, I, I, it's not really darkness. I'm not really that flawed. It's other people who are, are bad. Um, and John says, no, you have to start over. That's one, that's one lie he's, he's confronting. But the other, and, and I think in some ways this is more significant, the other lie that John's confronting here is that we wonder, if, if I step out into the light, will I still be received? Will I still be loved? Will I still be accepted? Because right, what, what makes the darkness attractive is that if, you're, if you are flawed, if you are broken, if you're not right, if there are things you don't want other people to see, well, then if you hide it, if you conceal it, then they don't know and you can still be accepted. But if you bring it into the light, then will you be, will you be loved? Will you be received? Will you be accepted? And John is going right after that. Because he doesn't just say, confront your darkness, right? You have, listen, you're, you, might ignore, you might miss God because there's darkness within you. That, that's one thing he says. The other thing he says, though, how you believe, how you become a Christian, how you enter into this life is you receive your adoption. And I love this because Don, John doesn't say, like, listen, if, all right, we all have darkness within us. And if, if you can get rid of some stuff and not be so embarrassing and, and you know, bring up your complexion and look, look okay, then you can step into the light and then you can be a part of the kingdom of God. That's not what he says. This is what he says. Listen. Verse 12. But, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. <clears throat> what that means is, listen, God knows, he knows the darkness within us. He knows it more thoroughly than, than, than you do, than I do. He knows, he knows our flaws, our darkness better than we do, and yet he still, he still wants us. And, and not like begrudgingly, not like, well, I'm God and I want to be alone for all eternity, so I guess you can come in. No, he wants us as his children. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God. And John's clear about how this happens, right? That, like, if you were thinking about, how, okay, how do I be born? Um, and there's a, this, John 3, like, there's a whole discussion around this. But you can't, you can't force yourself to be born. Right? Like that, even if you wanted to right now, I don't think your mom would take you up on that offer. Like you, cannot, you cannot do this yourself. Which is why John says you have to be born of God. In other words, what John is saying is you can't, you can't earn this. You can't, get, you can't clean up your act and be good enough to receive this. You, there is not a process, not a, not, a desire, not a way in which you can live that's going to let you into the kingdom of God as this child. You have to be born of God. You have to believe. So John's message to you is not clean up your act. Get it together. He doesn't want you. You're, stay in the darkness, and when, you're, when you think you're worthy, step into the light. No, what John's message to us is step in now. All your flaws, all your brokenness, all the things you think keep you out of the kingdom of God. John says, come in. Come in. Tell God you want to be his child. Receive your adoption. That's, 
That's what believing is. It's not anything we do. It's not, it's not a process through which we, we orchestrate and we lead. No, it's, it's you say to God, I want to be your child. Help me. And I realize that all begs the question, how does that happen? It's such, a, it's such, it's such an outrageous claim. So, right, most religions have, if you're going to become light out of the darkness, you have to go through a long process to earn your place. And, and John just says, hey, just receive your adoption. Just, just come in, believe. So how does that happen? And that's where, I, the reason why we, we wanted to walk through John 1 during this Advent season is because what John does is John, John steps back from the manger, he steps back from Bethlehem, and he gives us this cosmic view of Christmas. He tells us the story of why Christmas exists. And think about that story. Right, God makes the world. He puts light in it. He puts a sun and a moon and stars. Fills our world with light and we, we overcome that light with darkness. We shut it out. We fill this world with evil and with violence. <laughs> and so what does God do? He brings a new light into the world. The true light. His own sun to shine into the darkness. And what do we do in response? Well, we take that light The very people who should have known this is the light of God, this is the Son of God, the very people who knew that, take that light, mock it, strip it down, put it on a cross, and try to snuff it out in death. And yet what God does with that is he takes the moment of this great darkness, the moment when all of our darkness within us comes out, Jesus on a cross. And the reality is in the gospel story, when the darkness is at its worst, the light was at its brightest. The moment when darkness was... Thinking it had shut the light out of the world, had, had snuffed Jesus out of the world, was actually the very moment Jesus, the true light, was stepping into our darkness, was overcoming, was bearing all the shame and the, 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 the failures that we feel, all the reasons we think we cannot step into the light and know, and, and, and know God as we are now before we overcome our flaws and our brokenness. Jesus stepped into that shame, into that place, into that darkness as the light of the world. And in that moment, right, in the moment on the cross is the very moment you and I, we can step in and receive our adoption as children of God, not because of what we have done, but because what he has done. It's why we can be born of God, not of the will of man or the will of the flesh. And if that's true, if this story is true, that Jesus steps into our darkness as the light of the world and goes under, goes out, and yet still shines bright through his death and resurrection. If that story is true, then no matter how dark your world is, is this day, whether it's darkness coming from outside, forcing you in, whether it's darkness from within that feels like, makes you feel like you cannot be known or be worthy before God. Whatever your darkness is, however dark your world is, the gospel has, has a simple word to speak to us. The word John speaks in verse 5, which is that the light, the true light Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father God, as John said, you are light, and in you there is no darkness at all. And so now you invite us out of the darkness and into the light to be your children, to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus who gave himself because he loved us. And yeah, God, it's, it's hard to change. It's hard to, to leave a world of darkness and, and become a, a child, become a son, a daughter of you. God, so would you give us the courage to look into our own hearts, to see the ways we live and love and reject you in the wrong ways. Give us the courage to see where we're, just where we're living life all wrong. Help us stop. 
And help us step into a life where the darkness, God, as dark as it can be and as hard as it can be, is not overcoming us. But in the gospel, Jesus has overcome all of that. And so we live and can live in in a place of hope. And so we ask, God, wherever we're at, wherever each person is at this morning, would Jesus, the true light, which overcomes the darkness, shine into our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.